The following podcast may be explicit. Meh. We should give us the chance to get out of this mess. Gotta give us the chance. Little chance of success. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Thank you for joining us for season 16, episode 6? Six? 6. Did I say 17. Six. Six. 17. 6 of Happy Jack's Origin Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Gina. I'm Stark. <laughs> this is Jib. And uh, this is the last day of JackerCon, right? It is. The first? Yeah. It is. And we are JackerConned off. We're, yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? No one's done that before? Really? I don't think Maybe? so. No, I don't think so. Never. I don't think anyone has ever it's ever Never. occurred to anyone that Jackers or Jacker Con no. might have anything to do with that. Not until you <laughs> said that. Okay, you're mocking me, aren't you? You're no. clever man. <laughs> uh, September, what is it? 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 4th, 3rd, 4th, 5th? 3rd, 4th, 3rd, 5th. 1st! 3rd, 1st. No, 2nd through the 5th. 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th? Yes. <laughs> 19th, 20th. Hilton Hotel in LAX. Oh, it's yeah. not yeah. Anaheim this time. Not yeah. Anaheim. No. I got it right this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, for everybody that showed up at the Hilton Hotel in Anaheim. Sorry. We weren't there. I bet you had a good but, time at that uh, hotel. It's probably a better hotel. You could probably actually walk around with alcohol and not get punished. Yes. You can walk around the Hilton with alcohol. No, you just have to have bought it there. And you have to have your papers. Yeah. Papers? <laughs> Old man. Tired. <laughs> Do have your peppers. I'm an old man. I'm a... Oh, wow, man. He's stuck it in his eye. <laughs> I have no idea what you Go mean. look up Chichin Chong. It's a, it's a whole Chichin Chong reference. Oh, okay. Because I'm old and, and may or may not have smoked pot in my youth. I watched The Kingsman, The Secret Service. Awesome. Oh, my God. I love what that What an movie. homage love to The Avengers. that movie. It's so good. My favorite... My f- one of my favorite movies is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Love it, love it, love I, yeah. it. And it's got two of the main characters from that playing spies in it. And I'm like, that's Well, awesome. it's just an homage to 70, over-the-top 70s British yes. yeah. uh, spy stuff. Good Bond films. Yeah, well, or it is. bad, well, or, yeah. no, it's the Avengers. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's Steed and Peel. There's the, an Avengers movie. Not the Avengers American company. No, no, I know. But uh, the Avengers an... movie, I, I don't know what she's talking about. The actual, because <laughs> Diana Rigg in a cat suit oh. is very, very good. Please don't fuck with my childhood. I don't want to hear oh, you arguing. No, there's a movie yes. that came out recently. Right, had Uma Thurman. And I can't watch it. It was not, it was no, not, not particularly no, no, good. No. That, that movie doesn't, I don't know. I've is, heard is that your episode a fourth one? Indiana Jones as well. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Is that your episode one? Yeah. Okay. The original Avengers. Uh, in this episode, Morgan writes in to talk about epic feeling scenes. Eric from New Jersey writes in about a little of this and that. Eric. Alan from London and also Tennessee shares an RPG success story. And Dylan from Indiana shares a GM horror story and asks a setting question. Plus, a couple days ago, I got a story from another gaming horror story, which I really liked, from Joe Crack. So we're going to have that one too. Awesome. Joe Crack, longtime listener. So it's it's going to be it's a horror story thing. Cool. <laughs> horror story palooza. But, but before we go to that, yes, the guarantee that we will provide value with every episode. Oh yes. 
the tip. <laughs> of the week. That's just getting creepier and creepier. The tip of the week. Do you have right. the sneeze yet? Oh, damn it. I forgot to put it on there. Uh, Shit. I don't know if I can do it while I'm recording everything. No. Damn see, it. I got a clean good. sneeze. Did you? Yes. I'll see if I can. No. I'll fuck, I'll Ooh, fuck everything I almost up. did it. But I to... Yeah. It's not as vocalized <laughs> as her typical ones. But it's still pretty good. It was a good sentence. I can actually play the wave, probably, if you want to hear the wave. Okay, anyway, yeah. tip of the week. <laughs> Who has a tip? Who's doing the tip? I got Gina. She's doing the tip. Uh, Gina I got one. Tip. I got a tip. Gina's got a tip. All right. I got a tip. Uh, the tip is that Google is your friend. And when I am creating a character and kind of getting uh, analysis paralysis or sort of a little bit of brain freeze, um, I will frequently just put... Random words that have to do with my character into Google, and you'll get occasionally good information, like either if I'm having trouble figuring out a name for somebody, if I want traits that I'm not, or background that I'm not able to kind of Mm -hmm. just pull out of thin air. Um, If I do that sort of random searching, I usually can get inspired by just like you see news articles or characters or just random bits of information that kind of help me get inspired and pick out sources uh, and information for my own characters. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. It works. Back in the day, (laughs) back in the day when I may or may not have been taking acid, there were times when things got rocky and there was what we had the random word therapy which is like you things are freaking out man my face is melting and people just shout words at you uh, and then you would glom on the one that wasn't awful and then you'd be like okay again i've heard that works for people i never that, took acid that trip yeah i got I, nothing that's interesting <laughs> i only took shrooms and that was really mild and i totally realized that i was hallucinating the whole you time. didn't laugh a lot I know, but my face hurt the next day. Because you laughed smi- a lot. I don't think I was laughing, but I was smiling a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Probably like the Joker. Yeah. Mushrooms are awesome that way. They make you laugh and a it wasn't, lot. There was nothing bad about it. It was just no. like, yeah. Mushrooms are great. Not that I encourage people to. No, do no, no. I've heard that mushrooms are great. These are the people we hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> I told, I am, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of sort of the random word search and random uh, motivation search. Let's face it. There's times when I don't know <laughs> what a uh, you're reading a you're reading a character description, say gangrel or something, and it says uh-huh. I, I I don't know what that word means. So you go look it up, and you're like, oh, and just looking up that word gives you all kinds of motivations and stuff. Uh, yeah, all right. I know the word vengeful, but what does it really mean? Let's look it up. Oh, wow. Okay, so like vindictive. Uh, this go to the source, come up with some. Hmm. I suddenly have a bunch more motivations. All right, yeah. Uh, it's amazing what can happen if you just take the time to search <laughs> a couple random words. Yeah. Yeah, back in my day, we went to a place called a library. And yeah, pulled, pulled but, the Encyclopedia Britannica all bajillion volumes off the shelf. I and, love uh-huh. the sources. I totally Right? Them. I had the sources next to my desk. All so we had these things called books. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I wanted at the beginning yeah, of my tip. I do have that's one. That's the beginning of it. No, it's, I find it very helpful. And it'll at least give me some random thought or idea to 
to kind of grab onto that will usually mm-hmm. inspire. I think it's a great idea. Additional yeah. flavor totally for do. my character. I totally do. It's usually how they get names. Oh, yeah. They were, yeah stuff when we, we just had a character yeah. generation from yep. the Moment of Truth game. Yep. And everyone was looking stuff up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. It's, it's helpful. And hello, chat room. And if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the tweeters. Happyjacksrpg, all one word. And our voicemail line, which no one sends us a voicemail. No one loves us. Have you checked? I did. I checked. Okay. I'll check again. It's right there. Where is it? Voice. No, it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> this is broke. Did you plug it in? Woo! <laughs> the files are in the computer. <laughs> I can't. I, I checked before I set up, but there was nothing yet. Chat but yeah. room. You should call now. You, yeah, if you want to, you want to send a voicemail. Yeah. Send a voicemail to that six, would be two, that would be truly awesome. That's truly interactive, right there. It is six two six six two nine eight RPG. That's six two six six two nine eight seven seven four seven seven four. Oh, my keyboard stopped working. I have to go get batteries. Someone want to read the first email while I go get fucking batteries for my stupid Mac keyboard? Thank you. Epic feeling scenes. Not epic stealing fiends, but epic feeling scenes from Morgan. <laughs> Dear Happy Jacks. So, a short while back, I ran a session of... Oh, by the way, uh, we are trying a whole new mic arrangement. Uh, if any of you that are listening live want to give us feedback, that'd be good. We're just checking. Want to recheck. Want to make sure this is working out Okay. A short while back, I ran a session of Savage World's homebrew fantasy campaign that involved a large-scale battle. An assault on the Elf Alliance capital by a warband of dwarves, while infiltrated minions of the villain used it as a distraction to loot some ancient elf artifacts. While Savage Worlds has a mass combat rules, they are pretty abstract, putting the focus on a PC tactician with individual heroics on the field from the PCs, just adding a modifier to the tactician's knowledge. Slash battle roll. Yeah. Jib. Yeah, okay. Jib agrees. Yeah, well, that's how it works. If the PC... <laughs> it's not how I use it, but that's how it works. <laughs> Good. If the PCs were uh, commanding a garrison, that would have been okay, though it seems to me like spending an entire Death Star trench run Focused on the war room back at the Oven 4, but my players are a brand of wanderers with little uh, in the way of military or political power and uh, apparently little ambition to acquire any. I came across a method of planning dynamic cinematic battles using the a tree structure. And that's in quotes. Tree structure. Uh, start with two or three initial problems, e.g. ladders at the walls and a battering ram at the gates. Whatever problem the PCs don't go fix or fail fixing spawns two or more consequences. The ram breaching the gates leads to both a fight in the courtyard and soldiers setting fire to the city, which will lead to further complications if the players leave them to the NPCs, and so on. New problems could be added in at any stage, such as the infiltrated minions. It's supposed to allow for a battle that responds dynamically to the PCs' actions. Um, Putting my beer down and turning the page. Uh, the session saw some PCs saving civilians from rioters. The bard using his magic music to inspire the defenders for uh, in pushing back the dwarves at the walls. And one PC fighting alongside her mentor to save the priceless historical artifacts. But the whole session felt a little flat. Each step of the table 
each step on the table was handled or exacerbated in a few short rounds, which at uh, one player said made the large-scale combat feel small. <coughs> so, have you run epic-scaled sessions? What pitfalls did you encounter? What do you do to help the epic sessions feel epic? Cheers. Alrighty. Um, first off, to make things feel epic, epic by definition means big. Lots and lots of words. Lots and lots of stuff. Lots and lots of things going on. And, um, you know, large scope and lots of different places and large numbers of combatants. Okay? Now, the way I would do this is with the Savage Worlds rules, you've got the mass combat rules, which basically resolve the mass combat part of it. But in between rounds of the mass combat, what I would do is I would break off and have a scene with the player characters that's integral to what's going on and impacts what's going on. So you have a round of, an example. You have a round of mass combat and let's say the player character side wins. Okay? Now that gives them an advantage going into their scene. Okay? Um, they win in the scene. Awesome, cool. They gain in it they hold that advantage going into the next <coughs> round of mass combat. But things go badly in that random that round of mass combat. So we come to the next scene, and now they have an, have additional problems because of it. Okay, you kind of weave them together, but everything impacts one another. It's kind of like the in a way similar to the tree structure he was describing. Um, but you weave a role play scene, a combat scene, a, a, a dramatic task, an event, something, and you have that scene in between rounds of mass combat so like when the moon uh, hoth is being bombed by the imperials and they're trying to escape right right so so we know that's the mass combat right there you know that's happening and then there's a scene where han and leia are trying to get out and he's like come on with me right no right so you have that scene then you have that and then you have more mass combat right and then you have um luke in the snow speeder trying to you know Tangle up the legs of the right uh, of, okay. of the ATAT walker, right. and then you go back to mass combat, and then you go back to another, you know, scene. And, with- and that's I think that's the key because mass combat is boring. Otherwise, it just turns into the battle of the five armies, and no, oh, no, it was a lot of people fighting, and no, oh, the swords was, and many elves died, and people cried, and no, oh, the songs were written, <laughs> and it's just not interesting. I think. He was trying to do something like that, though, with this, uh, like this tree structure he was talking about, mm-hmm. where things built right. off of the right. original premise, and that they either became more complicated or more grandiose, or you got closer to your objective. But it was like, you know, these branches on this tree. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering also if part of it. For me in Savage Worlds, if my dice, if the if the dice are with you, it can Don't feel. Don't start re- with me. I know, <laughs> but it can feel it can feel easy. 
Yes, and then there fuck are days. You. You, well, you've told this story frequently, but it's like there are the days you one shot the big bad because your dice explode right. and you kill it, or and the day that the entire party almost dies from four from lousy, zom- you know, half a do- from a dozen yeah. zombies. Yes, and that's why you you change focus. You've got your mass combat focus, and you've got your player character focus, and you go back and forth, and you make don't just throw those scenes down in one or two rolls of dice. Make them scenes that matter. I think that's that's really the key. I, I've had a problem with this in the past as well, because it, mm-hmm. it suddenly it gets tactical. Everybody's looking at miniatures. Yeah. Everybody's looking at, you know, a uh, massive amount of people, and, and suddenly you get the bravi and become a general, right? You're no longer a player anymore. You're now a general, and you're trying to, uh, trying to make armies move, and you're doing it. And, and, and in some ways, that's fine, but it does lose the intimacy and the immediacy of a thing. And bringing in a scene like having Leia and Luke right. trying to get out of the collapsing base is, right. is important. And as a GM, I think it's important to make those moments happen and to make sure that it's like, all right, everybody, this is on hold right now. So you're in the base and they just bombed it. It's collapsing. What do you do? Right. I, I would, I, you're, I, you're exactly on the right, on the right track. I would even be more, be less game about it. I would be, okay, so we're doing the mass combat thing, and okay, cool, so you guys are in the cavern. Yes. Um, well played. And, you know, what same, do you, what are you same, do about same that? Same idea, but you, you yes, it's a much better transition. It's, yes. And, and you've got you've to develop that flow and that ability to change focus. Because one of the things that I have, and, and I, I picked this idea up from a, a gaming friend of ours, I frame... Mm-hmm games as either a television show or as a movie okay and i i frame it in that way and i think about what is my is the audience seeing yes that that's that's a very good point that's a great i way that's a great way to look at it yes and and it's that it's that change of focus right so all of a sudden there's a new scene it may even be just an intimate part of the same scene right good good Really but that's what I, how I would approach it. What's a cinematic idea? Yeah. Stu, you were going to say something? What, uh, what, what do you... I mean, Savage Worlds is one of the few games I can think of where you can have a brief combat uh, and maybe not even have to put it on hold. It can resolve. And yeah. then you can switch. Okay, you guys are running over here uh, and you come across this. What are you going to do? And you can switch back and forth. And you can resolve the combats usually pretty quickly. What do you do if you're playing like oh I don't know D and D? I think right. you can still interlude it, can't you? You you, you you basically do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, back in D and D three five days, <laughs> they had a set. A, it's a, a kind of a thin gazetteer type book mm-hmm. that was miniatures rules for D and D. Right. That's. Okay, that's what and I was going to go with. It. You yeah. could really? use something like that in three for three five. Yeah. Was? Okay. And you could, but you could use something like that. And the idea is, your the idea is how you you arrive at it is going to depend a lot on what your game system is. Right. But the idea is that you're changing that focus from you've got the mass combat going on, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna gonna zoom in on this thing that's going on. Same thing. Yeah. And you're gonna zoom in on this thing that's going on, and then you're gonna it. It resolves, and you zoom back out to the 
to the mass combat again. Right. And you do a thing, and you zoom back in on another spot. That's kind of, if I recall correctly, that's kind of how GURPS mass combat works, which originally appeared in Horse Clans, I think. Uh, you need to push up your glasses, uh, actually. I think it was. I think it originally <laughs> showed up in the Horse Clans book, and they ended up putting it in the yeah. those two combined books before they came out with four. Uh, actually, the two combined books, yeah. Hero, <laughs> Hero has a similar thing. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. Um, Kanevgama, I was just going to say, makes a similar point to what you were talking about for miniatures in the chat room. He said he finds that miniatures, a good map uh, with drawings on it, and 3D terrain does a good job. Uh, he thinks that it's a lot of work, but the payoff is fantastic for players. He also said that uh, resolving mass combat that the players aren't really directly in uh, leads to just narrating the action. So he prefers to put them in the middle of a critical event with the battle happening around them. So they that's can sway great the, for the, them. The, yeah, and and what they do sways the battle, but it's also very cool to have something important about the battle happen off screen. And then they have to deal with the ramifications of it. Oh, absolutely. I just, I just want to be clear because I've done this in the past, and, and maybe I'm, maybe we're talking about two different things, which is you put your players in a position that, where they become generals. It's almost like the, the, the old World War II movies where they're standing there with a big map and they're pushing people around with those little right. cues, yeah. right? And then, and then it, they're not having an intimacy in the battle. They suddenly become generals. They suddenly become... You're playing a minis mm-hmm. game. Right. You're playing a, a strategic combat game, which is fine in a way, but there is no immediacy. There is no intimacy well, to it. That's, How do you Right. That's the nice things? thing about the, the Savage Rolls mass combat rules is that they're abstract. And it's just... It's tokens. How you narrate it is... Just like everything else in, in Savage Worlds, it's all about the trappings. But it's not even Savage Worlds. So how would you do it in anything? How would you do it in D&D? I, I, would, I, I would I would zoom out right. and and do some ver- form of mass combat. Now, right. how that's what form that's going to take... It's going to be minis on a map. Just as an idea, you could use... If you're using... Say you're using D&D 5e. You could use the D&D 5e combat rules. But What? Wait. Wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. But instead of affecting, you've got five PCs and five bad guys, and you know it's one. It's basically one to one. That roll of the die impacts an entire unit of. Oh, yeah. uh, actually, those aren't could the make it, rules as written. Uh, you could make it like operational level or whatever they call it, or yeah, in, increase the scale, right. as it were. And um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know there's rules for that. I'm. I, but then, after you've done a bit of, yes. you've done a piece of that. You've done one piece of that. You've got to change the focus and zoom down on the player characters and have a thing with them and make it immediate. But you weave it into the so that the stories are all woven together God and all impact it. one another. You're talking about art and actually <laughs> fucking being artistic and shit, Jeff. Stop that. You're supposed to be the analytical one. Don't you be preaching? I was art. an art major in college, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Am I am I not loud enough? You're good there now. we go. That's better now. Yeah. I, I wanted mics, to be a painter when I went to Move school. It a little closer. <laughs> like that. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. all right. Lurch. I think it sounded like what's his name from Lurch. Ted Cassidy. K Ted Cassidy. Love Ted Cassidy. Right? I think oh, I, I've said that before. I figured out the next song the Boggards need to need to cover. Oh yeah? That? Love train Love Trained by the OJs. <gasps> People all over the world yeah. come yeah. join in. 
That'd be awesome. Uh, can we have <laughs> a cooling off period on that? No. No. It's going to happen. It's going to be fantastic. It's not going to be There the will be no you. cooling off period. It, it'll be fantastic. I will, I will start transcribing it. Um, you know, I was I looked them up because I'm like, who, who are the OJs? I've never even heard of them. They're gonna they're touring the nation this summer through late fall. They will be in Pomona in September. Who is the OJs? <laughs> I can't yeah. the band that did, the band. Uh, yeah, they, are, they drive are any of the original members still alive? I was gonna say for real. Yes, OJs? one of them. It's like the Doobie Brothers. I think there's three of them. Okay. Guess when the band was founded? I'm going to say 63. In the aughts. 58. What? Wow. And they're still around and still touring. Three of them are. Three of them are. I think it was originally like five or six. They're going to wheel them out in wheelchairs. I don't know. And they're going to get up and dance (laughs) and then sit back down. I don't even know what other songs they have. I'm I'm sure over the course of almost, what, 58 years, they've, can you imagine being in a band for fucking 58 years? Jesus I've, Christ. I've been in one for um, more than 20. <laughs> I was That's not 58. I was going to say that. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine how much music they have that none of us have ever heard? Can you imagine how much, how much they hate each other? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. All right. So yeah, that's yeah. my suggestion. That's a thing. Jib, very good points. It really are. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised at you. I'm Thank you very shocked, much, sir. Shocked. Thank you very I much, come Morgan. I come nugget once in a while. <laughs> uh, a little of this and that from Eric from New Jersey. Hello, Stu and the awesome Happy Jacks crew. It's Eric. Eric from NJ on the forum again. With a little bit of this and that and a, and a little bit of that in this email. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's, I'm sorry, it's not the OJs. Yeah. Join in <laughs> on Love Train. Love Train. I can't uh, wait. I, it, will, the, it will be so good. I've been on the internet too long. Love Train is a whole different thing. Oh, this is sick. It's only you. Dude, I just want to see how no, you're going to record only that for me. a bazooki. It's only you. It's most of our fan base. That is sick. That's true. It's about peace, man. <laughs> it's about peace yeah, all over getting the world. Peace. It's about getting a peace, man. Oh, my all God. All over the world. Why does my iPad want to update now? Because it's That's an iPad. What, it, what am I going to do without a soundboard? Because you were ignoring it. And you and people in the attention. chat room, shut right. up. It's like a cat. <laughs> you were ignoring it. <laughs> hey, you could, have, you could be having the When you no problem have, you don't want to make. What? what? You could be having the adventures that Gina had with her, with her phone last weekend. Yeah, no. <laughs> Was it good? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I dropped my phone in the street and it didn't break. I, fi- I finally calmed down when the guy on the phone said, yeah, I try to think about, like, uh, people in my life have died, and da-da-da, and I was like, yeah, I'll, sh- I'll shut I dropped a deuce on my phone, and it didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I laughing? Stupid. <laughs> Did you drop one or squeeze one out? No, I dropped it, man. Oh. It was like, whoa, boom. <laughs> Dude, I eat a lot of fiber. Come on. Is it no fucking around? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to fuck it. No, yeah. You have well, more email to read. No, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I'm looking up the OJs because now. I'm first wondering. off, the discussion of the B team have laid heavily on my mind. Laid they, the B team laid him. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, I have some Deadlands Reloaded one shots that have gone amazingly well, and I'm worried now that they are ripe for some inappropriate behavior. We can only hope. You you see, as characters, I have the following. Right. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, I, sh- I, I forgot to mention, uh, I got a direct message from 
angry GM, he he has a throat ache, so he's not able to make it to the show tonight. He has no voice, which means we could have won an argument if he had been on. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but but Stu, you know what's good for that? <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, here's his lineup of characters: an ex prostitute turned nun. She is secretly sleeping with the Native American warrior of the group. I tell the player flat out to determine if it's love or not, as the player can determine the reasons why they are sleeping together. The Native American warrior. He also gets to determine why he and the nun are sleeping together. It makes it interesting when each person chooses a different reason. For some odd reason, the person playing this character usually chooses love. Well, gamers. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> don't, don't, don't allow your cynicism to flavor this. The oh, no. gambler. Let your cynicism go. The gambler. He is a thing. He has a thing for the nun. Boy, a lot of people want to get some trim off the nun, huh? Yeah, yeah. they do. <clears throat> is it because she used to be a prostitute? Well, or, or she just doesn't give none. It's nun's exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, he has a thing for the nun, and it usually ends up, and he usually ends up hitting on her. The priest. He is sick of the gambler's shit, but secretly worries that the nun and the gambler are sleeping together. The nun seems to be hiding something. Doc Lightning. He generally doesn't get involved in any in of any of this, as he talks to his inventions more than the rest of the party. Yeah, right. Doc Lightning. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yes, my pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, is that like what's his name from Mystery Men? No, I was thinking really more like it's a like, flamethrower. It's reminding me of Marty McFly. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's much more like uh, Doc's. Uh, What's a time machine, Marty? Yeah, Doc oh, Brown. Doc Brown. <laughs> Doc Brown. I remember okay, lessons. Uh, this has so far gone swimmingly. It is a background. It is background information and not integral to the story. In fact. It's just there to add some tension between the players. And that's always good. Yep. After listening to the horror story, the BM... The, the, the BMT, BMT road. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I dropped a deuce on an iPhone. <laughs> oh, they've got a new name. The BM team. That's their new name. That's yeah, the BM You're going to love that. <laughs> I suddenly find myself asking, what the fuck am I, uh, I am doing? This is has the potential to go horribly wrong, and it would be primarily my fault if it did. At least that is how I feel right now. So far, though, this has gone very well having these backgrounds for the one-shots. Characters have had discussions about love and faith at the table. I could not have imagined when these characters were created. Am I overreacting, or should I change things up to not potentially have the situation uh, situation of creepiness? May I solve this with a soundboard clip? Go ahead. Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make? <laughs> so speaketh the Polish man. It's true, and I, I, I would like to embellish upon that, which is, if you are playing in a broken group that includes people like C.A. Dave, Stephen... And Rob Tyler, who are the most broken toys on the planet, and and are willing to make mountains. Do you of really homeless. include Dave in that? Because I would. The other two, yes, absolutely. But Dave is—is is he that broken, really? Yeah, well, you GM'd with him. I have. It, yes, so maybe. And, and he will. He will absolutely encourage bad behavior. Okay, that's true. Yes. Yeah, uh, but so, he so now we have this exponential 
Feedback loop. Feedback yeah. loop of brokenness happening. And these guys, are, these guys are very, very broken, and they're very, very smart, <laughs> and they are uh, game breakers. So you've got three or four game breakers. Now, you you, you I don't think, want one of them in a group, and you've got four of them in a group. I think this game would be spectacular with them. <laughs> no. I, I, no. Okay, now... I love these people to death. They're my best friends, but they are famous for breaking games, and they're all of them in a group. So I have a feeling that what you are doing is you are you are listening to the B team, which is the epitome of bad behavior in a group, and thinking that might actually happen. And what there is is, is a cautionary tale. You, I don't think that your players will have the depravity that these people do. Certainly, nobody's as depraved and as fucked up as Steven. So you're not going to have that problem. Or Rob. Or Rob. So I really doubt you are going to have the problems that you are projecting. The B team is an exceptional thing. They are pretty much the the if there if there's a left and right of on one thing, they are on one. They're complete site. Yeah, Uh, they're (laughs) okay. Um, First off, I think that your setup is really cool. I wouldn't worry about it. Leave it. Is there going to come a day when it's going to come totally unglued and? And things are going to descend into chaos. Yes, it's probably going to happen at some no, point. I don't think it is. It might. Here's why. But I think it's unlikely. I, here's why. You are aware of it. You are absolutely already policing this and yeah. monitoring it. The the thing I would do to to the only thing I would change is he said it, it's not integral to the story. Right. I would make it integral to the story. <laughs> I would weave it in with the rest You're of the story. Push them. So it becomes part of it. And and you know, hit on those you know poke at Keep them. Keep poking at the poke scab. At Keep picking. We at we them. have a a friend who's a a GM, and I cannot tell you how many times during you know when people are introducing characters, like in a vampire oh, game, yeah. you introduce your your character and you tell tell who your sire is, and the next words out of his mouth are, "Are you fucking?" <laughs> Is it a player or GM? No, it's a GM. Wow! And he's like, th- he's asking this of the of the players because that's a thing, and he wants to to push on that. Keep poking it. Poking. Well, and I think part of the story in that it it has to do with motivation, right? Uh, but not like plot necessarily. I think that it, it depends. It can feel contrived if it's if. If your characters if are going to misbehave yeah. and, and, and they plan what I, to misbehave. Right. What I would not do is I would not force the issue yeah. with them. I would say, here are the, these things. There are these things. Now, do with that what you want. So, yeah. person playing the, the former prostitute nun, if you want no part of this, that's fine. Draw a line through it. Doesn't exist. Yeah, but but it's not. It's the GM asking. I okay. The the GM created these pre-gen characters or, or, for his right. for his his right. his game, and he hands them to the players. And this is a thing that's written into the character. So, I would say, you know, okay, here's a thing that's written into this character. Do with that what you want. Also, they're one shots. Things can't go too far. Sideways in a one shot. No, because partly they're going to be wanting to find the plot and get right. on with it. Yeah, pretty much. Or now I have a question. Yeah, mm-hmm. is, is this the same people playing these characters over and over again, or is this for different people? So. I don't think so. It doesn't really say because he's running I mean, them as one shots. I built the big blue monkeys characters yeah. to fight with each other. Yeah. Right. I built the the agents of Smirsh characters to fight with each other. Yeah. Smirsh. No, I think that's brilliant. 
and that I mean that builds half of the tension. To to me, that's the most interesting tension is the organic tension between the player characters. Right. When they get into a situation where, okay, we can go, you can do this or we can do that. We should do this. We should do that. You're fucked up. No, you're fucked up. And then I, off they go. And, yeah. and I love that. I, I, I don't think he has a problem with the fact that they have uh, interparty relationships. I think he is concerned that there could be borderline creepiness because yeah. it's religion, it's sex. Gonna get, it's going to get perverted. And he's, yeah. I oh. think that's what he's... Because I, I agree with you. I, I hope he's not worried about interparty conflict because that's awesome especially yeah. in a one shot yeah. it gives you something to grab onto when you're kind of trying to figure out how to play that character and how you're going to play with the other people in the party yeah right. see again i'm going to say the b team is full of really broken toys <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a bunch of dented cans playing groups and and yeah i don't think <laughs> yeah i don't think you're going to have the extreme example that they that they but but that is that is a cautionary tale and that's what it's supposed to be. And, and they, but I and really they were, don't think you're wor- you sh- you're worrying too much. And they were reading a horror story. And they were, so it may not what, what they were reading may actually be worse than even they are. No, because they shared. Oh, did they? I didn't listen they to the did. episode intentionally. They did. Yeah, they they were sharing <laughs> from things from their past. Okay. I think it sounds like he did a great job with this yeah. and, character. And here's the thing. I don't think you're going to have a problem because you know why? You're aware of it now, and you can always keep an eye on it. Right there in the back of your head, yeah. every time it's going to be chugging away going, all right, this has gone too far. And you can always go, everybody yeah. out of the pool, gone too far. Line, See, lines and things. And yeah. the thing that the B team said, the reason it's a horror story is that nobody called halt when they should have. Yeah. <coughs> things I think, you know, one of the things I think that's really cool here is he's got these two people who are attracted to one another, the prostitute and the, and the Native American warrior. And he says, now, player, you tell me why you're doing this. And they don't have to agree. Right. That is how, just like... How often they wouldn't. That no. is like gold <laughs> waiting to happen yep. in a game. And yep. then, you've got, then you've got the third character who's got a thing for the nun. Right. right. But, but Setting up any. that potential, that potential love triangle. Right. I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think no. you, because you're conscious of it, I think you've set up some really great relationships and and uh, the creepiness and when it shows up you're gonna put nip it in the bud. It's perfect. I think you're set. Go. Yep. Don't second guess yourself. Yeah. You Absolutely. you've written a good game. Go with yep. it. Yep. RPG yep. success story from Alan. Success story from Alan. Hi, Jackers and Jackets. That's you. Jacket. Uh, Alan from. It is a nice jacket you're wearing, by the well, way. Well, thank you. That's the only problem with the mic in my face is the trying to manu- Sorry. manipulate the paper. Oh, no, I'm finding it. Okay. I'm finding <laughs> it. It's out there. Uh, Alan from London slash Tennessee here again. Uh, Dice off on the forums. I mentioned in one of my previous emails regarding a player and his choice to play a gun toting badass with no flaws whatsoever. Well, I took your advice and took a step back and decided to lead by example. In the first session, I played my character's flaws and so did the third player in our group. He watched as the story became more interesting because of the ways our characters reacted to the situations through our flaws. Yes. The third player being an occult book dealer and constantly needing to photograph the supernatural even at his own peril. And my character trying to accept that maybe God had a plan for him all along after his wife died to a werewolf attack and has slowly begun to use his blessed, blessed powers. Blessed. Blessed powers to fight evil. Very good. Very good. Evil. (laughs) 
After seeing us do this, I saw the cogs in his head turning as he frantically reworked his character, giving him flaws and goals. He turned from being a gun-toting man for hire into a corrupt cop, working for the mafia, giving himself the dilemma of having to appease his mafia bosses while maintaining his job as a cop. Several times he had to make the decision to abandon the law in favor for the mafia making things all the more difficult for his character. I was... Uh, right? You know what? You know what? That... Yeah. Slow clap. Yay. You have brought someone to the light, brother. I was incredibly impressed with how quickly he learned that flaws are cool parts of a character. Right. Yep. So thank you for advising to lead by example as it paid off. And I feel that he benefited more from finding this out on his own rather than just me suggesting over and over again. Take a drink, and thanks for all you do. Until next time, Alan. I remember this email, and I remember, yeah, I remember giving that suggestion. And I, and I, this is to your player's credit because he, he, he's the one that actually. What? Sorry, move it toward you more. Move it toward me more, less. Perfect. Damn it! I'll fix it. In your face. (laughs) Stork went limp again. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm using a thing. Sorry, listeners at home. Like that. To his credit, <laughs> that he actually that I actually noticed that stuff. What you have here is a great player character. He this guy this guy um he was he he made a effective character. He made a character his default character. He played an archetype, mm-hmm. and you guys led by example. He realized it. Um, I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a character or a player like that in a group where he looked at it and realized what he was doing wrong and yeah. adapted and came around. This is his, what, first, second, maybe third game, and he totally owned it, and he totally owned up to it and realized how much fun it is. That is a great player. Oh, yeah. You, whatever you need to do, keep him in your group. And, and you know cool what? Cool dude. You, yep. have, you have created a fantastic player who will go on and maybe play in other groups someday. Yep. And, and yeah. make players. Yeah. And, right, and make more... Exactly. It's well, hard to explain why yeah. playing Brokens is fun. Well, the B team, that that kind of explains <laughs> it, I guess. Well, and thanks for giving a shit uh, that, to do that and not just, you know, you're having your own fun. Yeah. Right. And you and player number three. Yep. But that's awesome. No, I, I think that's spectacular. Well, leading by examples, that's really the only way to go because nobody's going to get it. You can say, "Well, listen, if you play your flaws, and they're going to be like, F- what? What? Why? Why would I want to play somebody that's that broken?" Show them because it's fun. That's it's just why. show them, show them how much more interesting yeah. it can be. No, no, I totally agree. Yep, awesome work. Now this last one, GM horror story. No, no, no. There's this two more. I'm sorry. That's right. One. Okay. Yeah. All right. The, the last one we should trade off. Yeah, it. that was it's, long. It's, it's that long. Wow. It's almost four pages. Yep. Guten Tag, Dushkanoos. GM Horror Story and Setting Question from Dylan from Indiana. First off, thanks for taking the time to read my last email about overprepping. I'm hoping to integrate some of your advice into my hopefully smaller planning sessions. Also, I'm going to apologize now for how long this email is going to be. Because uh, you overprepped for it, didn't you? <laughs> This time around, I'd like to share the horror story that was my first attempt at DMing. Huzzah! Oh my god. Okay. I can't even remember my first attempt. Everyone's oh my first attempt at, ho- at 
GMing is a horror story. Horror story. Yep, pretty just, much. It is. All right, you go, man. You go. That's brave. That's awesome. Uh, but, but, uh, it was my freshman year of college, and I'd recently <laughs> been introduced to tabletop RPGs by a group of friends I played Magic the <clears throat> Gathering with. Two were experienced DMs, and the others had played in several games before. After one of the two DMs burned out mid-game and informed us that he... I was so totally about to change what he wrote. That he wasn't interested in running games <coughs> for a while, I stepped up to the plate and offered to run a game of D&D 3.5, the only RPG I knew at the time. I spent about a week coming up with a small setting, creating a conflict in the form of a mysterious disease, and then let the players loose in my world with their mission being to find a source of the disease that was spreading rapidly from town to town. Which is a great idea. Great concept, right? Mm -hmm. Basic thing, go. All, sounds, all good. sounds fine. Yep. All good so far. In all my prepping, however, I hadn't thought to check to see if there were any of the D&D 3.5 books that I wanted my players not to use. Whoops. Oh, no. This proved to be the downfall of my game in a single session. Yeah. I never thought it would happen to me. <laughs> game day came <laughs> around and all my players met in our dorms lounge to begin. They started naturally in a tavern. They, the party chatted with one another for a bit, getting acquainted with their characters before a loud crash was heard just outside the tavern. Along with screams for help. Diseased orcs were attacking the town! Oh no! Are there any other kind of orcs? <laughs> I, like, I like orcs. That's bigoted. That's yeah. soft bigotry. <laughs> so racist. It's, They're it's, green! It's, it's so racist. I think it's, it's total structural. They're green! They, 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 just because orcs. they're birthed out of mud does not make them... <laughs> The well, party, so but so green is the meat. lotus. Green meat is a warning to all things. Don't eat it. Why are they green? Because you're not supposed to eat them. Because they're gray. <laughs> the party rushed outside. Orcs are friends, not food. <laughs> <laughs> Orc, the other green meat. <laughs> There's green eggs and ham. Well, what about avocados? There's green eggs and ham, and they're not meat. They call it flesh. <laughs> they do. Fair enough. It's true. It's true. Okay. And they're delicious. The party rushed outside and combat ensued. The wizard rolling highest on his initiative and going first. This is when the wheels come off. My wizard, whose player is a wonderful friend of mine, declared that he was going to use a spell called lubricate. <laughs> or something along those lines. I looked at him confused. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd never read... Of a wizard spell called Lubricate. He grinned wickedly. Fucking splat books. Yep. Turning his laptop <laughs> quite literally. to display the cover of a book I didn't know existed. It's not quite splat books. It's more bukkake books. <laughs> Was it that one? Yes. The book oh, no. of erotic fantasy. That's it. That's it. <laughs> he had created a sex wizard. <laughs> he proceeded to inform me that it caused the target's body to secrete sexual lubricant. And the orc would drop all his weapons and armor because of how slippery he was. Oh, no, dear. No. No. <laughs> no. Dumbfounded, I remember saying, uh, okay. And just he yes ended. It. He yes ended, right? Which, which we say you should yes. do. Right. That was when all right, spells yes and. That was the right move. It was. It was the right move. But Hoping that he get was. Get the game just... over with as quickly as possible. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hoping that he was just being a twat waffle great word, by the way, and hadn't actually built a sex wizard. 
Then came a spell in which he flashed people to blind them. Another spell that had something to do with dildos. Yeah, it's not. It's not you. It's it's, it's new mics. Mic. We're, we're okay. working on it. Um, sorry, I'm blind. It's okay. Oh, oh, wait. Let me stop flashing you with my <laughs> sex dildo. Uh, then came the spell in which he flashed people to blind them. Another spell that had something to do with dildos. The game came to an awkward close that night with him attempting to seduce the town's mayor's daughter, and was never picked back up again. I've run three six-month campaigns since then and haven't had to deal with douchebaggery such as that ever again. I'm currently planning my next long-term campaign, which leads me to my setting question. How to bring the feeling of industrialized warfare to a fantasy setting? <laughs> you're, you're, it's the segue, right? It's the absurd <laughs> non-sequitur, right. Nice segue. Yeah. I've asked this what? question on the forums and have gotten amazing answers. But I'm just curious as to how you guys would go about bringing a World War One industrialized warfare feel to a fantasy setting. Thanks again, and keep up the great work, you wonderful douchebags. Dylan, pronounced like Bob Dylan from Indiana. P.S. Drink! Well, my first thought is that you are in an ammunition factory making dildos for the war effort. Right. Right. And, exactly. And then you supply all the green orcs with dildos shooting bazookas. And therefore... You can't actually say that they're not. Uh, I can I can arrow weapon. It's like I, really introducing industrialists. It's wow. Here, it's wow. Well, it depends what you mean. World War One. Having very recently just finished listening to Countdown to Armageddon, which I think was Countdown to Armageddon, which is the um, uh, hardcore history thing on World War One. Okay. <clears throat> I guess sort of the consensus conclusion of why World War I was so horrifically inhumane. And it is way up there yep. in warfare as far as the horrible shit people did to each other. Had to do with economics. All of the great powers built up these big standing armies. <clears throat> and warfare prior to that lasted about a season. So you would march your troops out in the spring, and by fall, they're coming home. Mm -hmm. And the war had been resolved one way or another. World War I comes along, and these nations have these large standing armies, especially Germany had a huge standing army. They get, get out there for their, to, to start their battle and drop their battle lines and begin mm -hmm. fighting to resolve their conflicts, and they start digging trenches. Right. And they build emplacements and basically bulletproof each other themselves from the other people. And the nations, the political leaderships and the generals in charge of them realize that they are spending an unsustainable amount of money on these standing armies. This is going to break them. It's going to cause a, a breakdown in social order. They are not going to be able to continue to be solvent nations. So they, out of desperation, start trying to exterminate the other side. Right. That is what had not really, I mean, it, it had happened in the past. You go back and look at Genghis Khan and things like that. There was a lot of exterminating going on. But this, this was combined with 
technological efficiency. That's what I was going to say. I think it's you layer on top the the yeah. monumental mammoth size of some of these armies, which had likely existed. Take in the past, that, but layer on that industrialized the industrial revolution. Weapon, right. weaponry, and then what the ramifications of that are potentially on society or the people at large. Oh yeah, you know just the that. Yeah. I'd like to interject something here. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a world that has fucking magic. Well, th- that's right, wait, right. It has so I think magic? that's how That's you... actually getting to my exactly. question. Yep. That's getting to my question. Yep. Does magic replace technology? Yeah, we're, yes. We're we're off the erotic fantasy, by the way. No, well, that's not actually what he's asking. He's asking he <laughs> No, I know. Actually, he he's asking about magic. industrialized warfare. Yeah. Does magic, magic fucking... replace the industrial revolution? That's yes. what I Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yes. Mo- motherfucking dragons. Like good point. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Or, or you, turning all of the dead soldiers on the battlefield into uh-huh. your undead army. Yep. Right. The, the or, thing or, I would or ask, even more basically, if you can just create a spark, why would you have huge munition dumps that can just get lit up and exploded? Oh sure. Right. So all it takes is one level one wizard to go. Yeah. And then kaboom. Oh yeah. So you have if, if you're doing fucking magic, you have to have industrialization. Is very carefully kept down. Barrels uh, in, and WoW, in WoW, in WoW, in World of Warcraft, the dwarves are able to shoot guns. They have they have munitions and stuff, but it's kind of only kept by them. Only dwarves are able to do that. No, Torrens can. They have right. guns. All right, they're the opposite of dwarves in I WoW. All right, but uh, <laughs> actually, but my, my point being that if you're going to do an industrialization in this world. <laughs> One group must have that power, and it's doled up because you have fucking magic. Uh, the reason uh, Tappy or, brought up years ago: Why would you have doctors if people can just magically heal people? The doctors and, and physicians would it, never grant. It, have, it, it depends hold. how rare the magic really is, right? right. I mean, in in most parties, you have a couple of spell throwers. It doesn't, but, but that it, doesn't matter. If you have one spell thrower and he can just lob it into the mortars, and all the oh, mortars sure. go up at one, right? Well. Or you have barrels and barrels and barrels of wildfire underneath the sept. And Let it go! <laughs> yeah, Let exactly. It go. <laughs> yes. So the problem with industrialization and fucking magic is that you have fucking magic. And it right. doesn't take much to counteract the other. So, But the, the thing, that's what keeps it the in thing check. The thing is, there's not a, most game systems that I can think of don't have what I would refer to as battle magic. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, if you had war mages and... Or, or you know, the king's wizards all get together on the battlefield way back behind where the king is. Yep. And they start casting these spells together as a group, some sort of big ritual thing that causes some sort of massive calamity. Like, yeah. a, you know, a, it starts raining frogs on well, the enemy my, or something. My favorite author, well, Elie even... does. He actually has that in, like, at least two of his series well, of books. You can even go but smaller scale than that. It sh- but it, show- it shows up in, in fiction. It does. But I, I haven't seen it in a role-playing game. I, I do think scale has something to do with it, it too, does. and the epicness yes, of, it absolutely you know, a, a, like, generals that are battle mages. And wasn't World War One a lot of the chemical warfare introduction? Yeah, yeah. Of, yes. So you're talking... Nerve gas, and, and I think there were still Geneva Conventions that predated did. World War One. Yeah, and the Germans, like originally, I think they like had the barrels buried with lids on them because they couldn't like put them in shells because that was against it. So they just waited for the wind to shift and then just took the lids off. 
and, and that also makes all and then just to hope it didn't come back and, on you. And that and also makes a lot of sense yeah. too if if you have characters that have bullets because the bullets are surrounded by brass or, or metal, so th- so a wizard can't necessarily make that that gunpowder go off. Right. So you can keep it on a small scale, but on a larger scale, all the wizards have to do is go. Mm, they have a lot of cannons back there. Spark boom. So. Okay. You, you, magic and magic and industry don't play well together, and they right, they keep each other in check. You can you can even make it smaller scale, and so like every company of infantry soldiers mm-hmm. has two or three clerics mm-hmm. with them. Their job: buff all of them before the battle starts. Buff right. all the infantry soldiers and heal them if they start and heal them. Right. And you know, and and you've got your wizards, you know. Flinging all manner of awfulness at everybody. Totally. Um, you know, so, you know, if you wanted to do it, that's how you go about it. Yep. Right. That's absolutely right. And then I think the reason... Okay. But even so... The, the, mean, re- you, the reason it's not on a large scale, the reason they don't have uh, fucking anti-aircraft guns and shit is because you have fucking magic. And the, lo- well, the larger amount of... What, what, I'm, what I'm wondering about is, would the magic just replace that large-scale weaponry? Yes. Yes. But the level you're talking about, that's a lot of fucking mages. Well, it could be well, mages, yeah. but I it mean, could I mean, be... Or just an, one powerful An, an one. entire battle, Well, think how of, many companies do you have? Think of Daenerys and her three dragons and the, you know, so if you could command... Three! Yeah. In but all if, the world. But if you had three, as far command as know. of some badass creatures, what? that it would, yes. wouldn't have to be magic, but magic is, would be awesome. DD1, right? You got like a level 10, level 11 mage. I mean, they're making like, you know, holes of... <laughs> they could just like... Well, yeah, they're fireballs. Yeah! Scale. Right, right. I think they scaled in first dead. I don't remember. I'm, I'm just did. saying that all you need is a couple level 10 mages standing back there lobbing fireballs or... Uh, it, it depends on how on how big the yeah, scale of your, right, your yeah. battle is. But, Alchemists. But, but I, I mean, you know, you basically it, think about it like you have a, a TO, a, a organization chart, mm-hmm. and you have you know general and you know. And there's a dotted line over here that's like five mages, right? And then you know, and you've got you know divisions, and a division is made up of battalions, and a battalion is made right. up of companies, and and at each level you have groups of spell casting. Are you Specialist. sure you haven't read Ellie Modisette? Because that's exactly what he does. See, he has like a mage assigned to entire battalions. Well, yeah. And yeah. they move up from there. Yeah. And, you know, and you've got, you know, specialized units with that deal with monsters. You've got your griffin riders. You've got your, your dragons. You've got your... Like you would have mounted cavalry and stuff. Yeah. Your cavalry units, right. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the, thing, the thing, what I'm talking about is... Those big, huge, shock and awe kind of things where you would get several mages together who would combine their powers yeah. to create something truly yeah. earth-cracking. Yep. That's right. what I'm talking about. They you, only you do might that need, once. But they only need to do it once. You might what, need to, to do things with rules to make it work. Right. But, did, you, could, but you could totally do that. Did you ever see uh, Doctor Strange and Mr. Norella read the book? Mr. Morrell. No. No, because I no. gave it to him. Oh, uh, okay. I don't think you gave me that one. Yeah, I did. I think Heather suggested I read it, so I didn't read it. Okay. <laughs> no, I just said that. It was fun. But yeah. that's that's a that's a great example of how magic yeah. and... Because cause mages are rare, 
right? Everybody can get a gun. They should be, and, and yeah. they very well should be, and and they can scale up, but and only only a handful of mages get to the point where they can do absolute sheer damage, right? Yeah. And these are the guys you want to keep, like for the last, you know, right. Last ditch effort. Otherwise, you could just sort of throw your level two, level three mages up there with the front lines doing stuff. But to balance it out, I mean, you know, a major of the fireball can set off all the all the uh, ordnance. Uh, a major of the fireball can wipe out entire flanks. It's a balancing act. Uh, you also have people with with weaponry that are trying to shoot at people. They've all got armor. See, the, the thing is, I, I don't know if I buy the magic negates technology thing. It because doesn't because they're in the same world together. It's just like it healing and medical stuff. How do you balance those two? Why would you have? Why would medicine even develop if you have healing? Maybe healers are rarer, and you, you need to be able to know how to like heal a wound because the only pl- the cl- nearest place that has a cleric that it can heal you is you're right a day and a half. You're right, it does, away. and yet magic still is there, so it never actually advances to the point where, where if you I don't, don't have magic, you don't have open-heart well, surgery. At some of, point, people actually just go to well, the cleric and they get... All of these things it's are potentially world, you, true, and all of these things are potentially valid, depending on how you want to assemble them. Well, that's true, right. yes. But I don't... I mean, you're going to... You you could make. Why would you have steel weapons? The mages. Why do you need steel weapons when you have magic? Because not everybody has magic. Because I don't same care. reason you would have guns. Because I don't care how good because <laughs> not everybody is. Has magic. If I stick a if I stick a knife in his ribs, game's over. Not in D anD D. It only does one D four damage. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't though. It should ruin his day. It should ruin his at, day at the very least. So years ago, that's when why I, I always liked the assassination rules in first edition D anD. I don't remember those. If you succeeded on an assassination attempt, they were fucking dead. See, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Years ago, uh, when we were first starting up this whole podcast and stuff, I was going to set up a four E game, and the whole idea was that it was between the martial skills and the magic skills. And uh, there was a war being set up between all the martial skills, wiping out all the magicians. So I wanted oh. everybody to have a magic skill, so they're kind of like the X-Men. They'd be rare. And all the martial people were wiping out all the people with magic skills. Magic people were not liked. So uh, people with martial skills were basically people that could do industrial stuff. So magic right. was rare. So you got set with a bunch of people that had some magic skills that were being hunted. Uh, a lot like powers. the X-Men. A lot like the X-Men. Right. And, or Harry Potter, where right. magic is rare and you're having to deal with other muggles. Uh, I think that that's the great way to play this industrial thing, which is uh, if you want to put them in a Steam universe, you want to put them in a universe where that has some stuff. But remember, these guys can affect anything. They're rare. They're not liked. Uh, but make them... There's a consequence. If they do this stuff, they're going to be sought out. They're going to they're gonna get, you know, they're going to like, well, one person to a mage isn't anything, but 8, 10, 12 people well, shooting at a mage... Is yeah. another thing, I, I, and if you sneak up gonna... on a mage from behind, yeah, one yeah. is plenty. Yeah. Oh yeah, a, a lot of a lot of it is going to depend on the game system that you're trying to use. Yeah, that's very true. If you're trying to do this in Pathfinder or D anD D, you you may find it difficult. But if you're going to try to do it in Savage Worlds or GURPS or Hero, that's probably going to work. Yeah, you got to be able to kill people easy. That's a that's the key to a. All right, we've rambled on. All we right. have a long yeah. horror gaming story horror story from here. Joe Crack. Yay. Should I start? Are we yeah, I might as well. All right. Yeah. You got Tag it. team. Hey, Jackers. Tag <laughs> team. Shotgun. 
Uh, Joe Zantac, Joe Crack on the forum. Oh my here. God! Even his name is long. Ugh. And it's got it's got a slash. Oh, uh, here, a gaming horror story fresh from Origins Game Fair. Yeah. Here we go. I've been a Seven Seas first edition fan for some time, and I love the uh, idea. John Wick, right? Uh, the well, new version the is new, the original version. And he not. had a hugely successful Kickstarter. Yes, Kickstarter. Ginormous. And good on him. Yep. Yeah. I've met him a couple times. It's he comes to our of, cons. Kind of a friend of the show. Kind of, we have well, mutual friends. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, he used to work fair. He used to be yeah. a sea dog. Yep. Lurch. Yep. He knows Lurch. Mutual friend. Uh, love the ideas of a living campaign. This year I was presented, and I'm going to have more comments on this whole living campaign thing mm. oh cool because when as i read this i kept saying why does it have to be this way anyway this year i was presented with an affordable opportunity to go to origins game fair i would love to go to origins yeah Where is i that? was supposed to go it, i think it bounces columbus. around is it in columbus, columbus always ohio yeah ohio has it you did it used to bounce around uh at, since i've known about it it's been in columbus oh really okay. yeah all right uh where i knew a seventh seed living campaign regularly runs games. The Heroes of Altamira Guild of St. Marcos. So I signed up, joined the campaign's forum, make my character, answer their backstory questions. I even start to be pretty active on the forum, and they seem friendly and helpful enough. I even join in on some of the play-by-post stuff. Fantastic. When Origins registration comes around, I manage to sign up for five of their games. That's ambitious. Typically four-hour slots with slots mm. for six players. If it matters, I made a Russian ballerina turned pirate <laughs> who fled an arranged marriage. That's so... John, John Wick would love you for that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's exactly... That's right in his wheelhouse. First game is scheduled Wednesday at 1 p.m., and I barely make it to the table on time. Play is going pretty well, and I'm getting some good role-playing off with some of the other players, but one of the first things that strikes me is this this six-player game now features eight players. Excuse me. One player making his character during the game. Okay, whatever. Poor player barely contributed anything. But the GM was unfamiliar with yes and. <laughs> so it seems and felt. Oh, so it seemed and felt. One player I was bantering with created a devout character that was very pro-Inquisition. A very evil organization in the fiction, but not publicly known to be evil. Just typical religious zealotry. So a part of the module pops up when the Inquisition storms to the church. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Right. Um, I wasn't expecting that. We are all in, demanding everyone drop their weapons and surrender. So naturally, his character obeys. He believes every one of those. He believes everything those guys say. The GM looks at him and says, "No, don't do that." Then he goes off to the writer of the module to explain what's going on. Comes back and asks the player again if he's continuing his action, and again asks him to not do that. Then he says, "Wait." Never mind, I got it. All right, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Let me let me sum up this paragraph here. So, we, the the GM said no. So the player went off and talked no, to the writer. No, no, of the no, module. no, no. The the player says, "Oh, I'm gonna 
I'm, I'm going to go ahead and drop my weapons because right, right. Okay, these so guys the are true believers no. like me. Yeah. Right. And the, okay. and the GM goes, oh, wait, wait, don't do that. And then he goes off and talks to so whoever the, wrote the adventure. Okay, all right. Yeah. Comes back. Just so wanted to be Are clear. you sure you want to do that? All right. I've got this. Carrying on. Part of that, I think, is a GM being thrown a right Thinking, hook. Yeah, that yeah. people are going to go, Hell and, and no. going, how am I going to deal with this? And then eventually yeah. realizing, okay, I have figured that out. Uh, also, can't blame him for that. Also, that the writer of the module is, I guess, in the room, maybe they, taking notes. They're probably they're, running... Not not the not the easiest of things to be jamming under, right? I'm being watched. They're, prob- they're probably running... Yeah. Multiple tables. Multiple tables. I'm just yeah. saying that... Yeah. The, See, the, I have a... I have an idea for that, and I don't know how this works. Oh, I want to well, I think there's a better idea. I, played in a I think there those. might be a better uh, way. Oops. Okay, carry on. All the time, the player is saying, well, I'm planning to talk my way, way out of it and prove to them how devout I am. I built the character to be good at talking. The GM has him hooded, chained, and tossed over a horse, then describes his body being picked up, tossed over another horse, and then a bunch of commotion as he feels himself being spirited away on a horse. When he's unmasked, he's back with the party, rescued by one of the many canon NPCs of the world of Seventh Sea. Boo. Right. Then the rest of the adventure had us being chased by zombies that kept rising, unless we chop their heads off. And when I proposed digging a pit and luring them all into it and setting them all on fire... Great! Yes! I was pretty blatantly ignored. So we're walking through some field and find some experiment things as the zombies are coming at us. (laughs) There's apparently some secret to activating and opening these experiments, but all eight of us players have no relevant skill to help us. So after some time, the next thing happens, and then the next thing happens, and then we're given an orbital targeting laser. Yeah. In a game designed about (laughs) swashbuckling heroes, we beat up some zombies with an orbital laser, which is quickly taken away from us by a bunch of NPCs who yell yell at us for accidentally disrupting their experiments. And then that's basically the end of the first session for that day. Would someone else like to continue? (laughs) Oh, I will. Okay. I think it will. The GM, well, the GM wasn't great, but the player interaction was fun, and these same players are in the night slot, and me too, so, well, let's see. The night slot starts. Different GM, so things are looking up. This GM is one of their campaign's main writers and is pretty friendly dude on the forum. Cool. This is the six-player game again, and uh, then he accepts three more players for nine players. You are doing a disservice to the people who signed up for the I, game when I, you do that. I've totally run a 20 agree. player LARP totally before. Agree. This yep. is nothing. Yeah, because they're clearly, <laughs> clearly the same. Clearly. First 10 minutes is him bantering as an NPC with two players that have played in every episode of the Living Campaign thus far. Anyway, they started with a story is we find some dudes that were crucified upside down and being burned. Not alive, but still so swashbuckling. Not Turns really. out Inquisition <laughs> right. is behind it. And it's a rogue element of the Inquisition, some evil bishop. But players who have played in the Living Campaign talk about it like it's some serious dude. And we should all care. 
we track some of the kidnapped victims to a house out in the countryside, and we find a bunch of the Inquisitor types torturing a bunch of helpless people. Naturally, we leap down to stop that and fight off the file torturers. Fires are set, and the evil bishop shows up, and the wooden floor that we were standing on collapses. We all fall, despite the fact multiple players look at my character, asking about my crazy magic grappling hook. <laughs> and if that would save me, nope. We all fall and take a bunch of dramatic wounds. So, so much that one one or more of us were knocked out unconscious. This basically means that we are all crippled. And when that happens, the mechanics say your dice can no longer explode on tens. This is roll and keep, right? I guess. Isn't it? I've not played. Isn't 7th C roll and keep? Someone in the forum will scream yes or no. I, I have not played it, so I, I don't know. I, so, yeah. I think it's made by the same company that makes all 5R. Or originally was. Oh, okay, maybe. Maybe so. So, yeah. I think I have a copy of it at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, John Wick and L5R. Yeah, don't get him started. So, yeah, we fall down a hole and wake up in pain. Inquisitors, kidnap victims, and the bishop all around us. Well, we do some heroic stuff to try to save everyone, and we find a cavern tunnel because we can't see any light above us. So, through the tunnel we go. We walk a while, argue about politics and shit and character, Get annoyed, walk more, bump into a low-hanging ceiling, crawl forward some, then find a narrow bridge over another seemingly bottomless chasm. Or chasm. Well, now we have to cross this. And the stone bridge can only support two people at a time. One NPC... Yes? From the chat room. Yep. The new system, which I assume would be the John Wick one that he just did the Kickstarter for, yes. is not roll and keep, but the old system is. Okay. One NPC has a concussion. Is that right? Concession. Concussion? Concussed. Yeah. Concussed. One NPC has a concussion, and he, and he any time is unattended, he veers off and stumbles into walls. I, I don't know where they got the NPC from. That's where I'm confused. He I will start that sentence again. Victims. One NPC has a concussion, so any time he's unattended, he veers off and stumbles into walls, so that will be difficult to help him cross. All right. The player that tries to help that dude crosses cross doesn't have the relevant skill difficulties. He ends up having to spend six drama dice to stay alive and try to save the NPC. And even after that, the concussed NPC falls <laughs> to his death. Yay. That was my favorite part. Yay. We all end up on the other side of the chasm or chasm. Uh, Not all of them. That's when the bishop holds up the square rock. Yay. My character, <laughs> thank you, dude. Yay. Holds up the square rock. Yay. My Yay. character found along the way and it was carrying in her jacket. Evil Bishop, I know we promised that we would all help each other live and did, get out of here. Did you but... notice something? Yes. That's when the bishop holds up the square rock. My character found along the way and was carrying yeah. in her jacket. I think I yeah. phrased it wrong. <laughs> Maybe because yeah. of the way the sentences were written. It, 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 yes. it, it is, but... Because it, it's no, two separate sentences. You're right. Yeah. You are correct. Right. How did that happen? Did That's when the bishop held up the square rock my character found along the way. Nope, you're absolutely right. That's That's the way that should have been read. And that's... That's lame. I know we promised that we would all help each other live and get out of here, but Nobody this rock is a position. map, and the exit is back where we first had to crawl. So, cheap <laughs> weapon is surprise. Good surprise. luck getting out. And then he turns and runs back into the darkness, abandoning us, his fellow Inquisition members, and all the injured. Now, 
and it, next. Then we hear some unearthly screeching sound. It's probably tires running over the rest of the party because they're like under it's a the bus. Squeal of a railroad. It's the squeal of a bus that yeah. the party is under. It's a and train trying to stay on the tracks. Yep. <laughs> and the GM says that this sounds like that one monster from episode one. Oh, no. And this is episode Turn nine. Oh, the monster for episode one I wasn't in. That's you just right? said people going to die? So the veteran players are like, run after the bishop. No shit. So we run and we hear some shadow monster chasing us. We don't have to roll a check to recross the bridge we just crossed. Oh, Imagine that. Oh. And then we eventually get back to where the bishop mentioned and see another hole to crawl through. No, oh, God, we couldn't we have gone through that when we went through well, originally? What? We go through that, then come to a square room with a pedestal and no discernible exit, and the bishop slumped against a wall. There's also some wall described as unnatural. But after 10 minutes of examining, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I hate those unnatural walls. Right? Don't you? It's just, it, look at that. Stu, Stu. No, really. I think that wall back there, check? that's unnatural. The one behind you? Nope. The rest of them are okay. But that it's, one, it's that not. one's unnatural. You just, you rolled shitty. It's not. It's yeah, a normal no. wall. Try, try, does anybody have another skill they want to try? Anybody try? <laughs> can I roll two? No. I can I also part. roll perception? Can, can I roll that too? I'm sitting I in a room. Okay, all right. Are we sitting s- in a studio and I'm actually asking you to which motive. wall here is unnatural? Because I think that one is. I think that wall is dangerous. Yeah. Oh, it, all right. Should we combat this it? Wall? Sure. No, you rolled shitty. It's sure. fine. You think it's fine, <laughs> as someone always says. A wall that looks unnatural. Evil bishop. I thought you would all die. You, you might remember was slumped against the wall. Right. I thought you would all die. Pro-Inquisition player, is he still carrying my family's stolen sword? Uh-oh. GM, totally. 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 <laughs> Pro-Inquisition player, by way of Castilian, Spanish, Castilian tra- tradition, I declare a blood feud upon this man for theft of my family item of value. Item of value. Should item of quote. value. I, I, I theft for my family MacGuffin. Yes. <laughs> then he retakes his sword and is ready to straight up kill the evil bishop. Other player that GM first spent 10 minutes bantering with. You can't do that. He's too important to the campaign. Other players. Bishop stole this his mount, sword. This mounts upon my idea on how to fix this shit. Okay. All right. Bishop stole his stor- sword. He can declare a blood feud. Plus, he abandoned us all to die, even after we all promised everyone would live. GM, the Inquisition guards behind you all clear their throat and look ready to stop you. Harumph. You promised everyone would live, player. And you, who did not first break the promise, shall live. This man broke his word and abandoned you and us all, and he flat out broke his own laws by operating a forbidden artifact, that weird rock I mentioned earlier. The square rock, the one that he found. Right. And that the princess ballerina pirate kit was carrying in her jacket. Jeez. GM, you promised he would live, and he will live. He then describes all the Inquisition members that were previously convinced they were doing the wrong shit for the wrong man, suddenly standing up for their evil boss. Player, okay, okay, I sheathe my blade. Then we spend five minutes trying to find an exit with the evil bishop 
while the evil bishop laughs. We place the square rock on a pedestal and the jam describes like it looks like it's missing a key of some sort. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. I gave you a whole MacGuffin, and oh, it's still incomplete. You guys are still fucked. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, you guys are still losers. But don't worry. We have NPCs to fix this. Oh! <laughs> GM. Okay. Uh, suddenly, out of the tunnel you came in through comes that NPC that fell down the bottomless chasm. Natch. And he's holding what looks like a pyramid-shaped rock in his hand. Ta-da! It fits precisely... <laughs> On top of the square rock. What? And a suddenly, a black, swirling portal appears in the room. Because your NPCs are complete, total new idiots. They can't do anything right. We have an NPC to come in and save the day. That's so again, awesome for the players. Again. Again. Right. So awesome for the players. That's winning. Such a great game. We go through it and end up outside overlooking the valley where we found that torture cottage. The Inquisition allows us to take the kidnapped victims and go, but the bishop claims we only get a 10-minute head start. And with that, session ends. The second session... Oh, no, you didn't go back. No, he didn't. The second session, in a nutshell, was us falling through a hole, walking through a cave, turning around and walking back, and then (laughs) waiting for an NPC to let us out of the cave. Nice summary. I, you know what? Well, well said, sir. In a swashbuckling game. Yes. You Very know what? Buckled swashes. I, I feel really bad for talking shit about organized play. Don't you? Yes. Doesn't this really redeem it? I, I do. I, it does. It completely does. This is not an organized <laughs> Wait a moment. I was so damn heartbroken. I love the setting of Seventh Seas, and I love swashbuckling stories. And I was signed up for three more sessions. And it was like Gen Con, where you buy tickets to these sessions. So I was debating, seeing if I had another GM, it would be different. One session in particular was described as being the sessions to play when you specifically wanted to deal with your character's backstory that you created on the forum. Wait, there was homework? Hmm. I didn't get the homework. So I was super pumped to see and try that until the GM of the second session said the following... When a player mentioned he didn't have a ticket to play in the personal agenda slot, I usually split the PAs up into two two-hour stories running for 16 players for each two hours. Uh, 16 players in two hours to holy deal with fuck. personal stories and backgrounds. That averages out to seven and a half minutes a player. Oh, my God. Needless to say, that day was super disappointing, <laughs> and all of my friends that were at the con kept saying to just skip the next games. Do the games on demand stuff, which was going to be the other half of the con for me as it was. I was even told I could exchange pre-purchased tickets for generic tickets. Run! So it wouldn't be wasted money. I knew I had the next day entirely open, but one of the seven C sessions was about being invited to a to a party slash ball, which is stuff I love in games. Sure. Absolutely. But don't think well, you're gonna change this world. No. <clears throat> Well, I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't stop thinking about the games I had played and just kept getting angrier and more depressed. No. Imagine that. Oh, you that. sobered up, yeah. And <laughs> couldn't fall back asleep. In the end, I exchanged those tickets for generics and did nothing but games on demand for the rest of the con. I think that was a wise choice, sir. And Everyone, I don't see any horror stories about that stuff. No. Nope. Right. Huh. Everyone I told the stories to looked on in horror at what I went through, and most told me I should have just left the table, but all agreed about not going back. Yep. 
So that was my gaming horror story. Bad modules and GMs that don't seem to want you to stray away from the rails whatsoever. <clears throat> Luckily, despite having a horrible start to that convention, it ended up, ended up being amazing. And I got to meet the writer of my favorite setting, John Wick Woo-hoo. himself. Yeah. We talked so, so about so much wrestling, which I never knew he loved. And then late Saturday night, I trolled him about Seven Seas First Edition and how Cthulhu ended up being in Usura, Russia. And was delighted when he uh, jovially shouted, Fuck you! at my teasing. That's that's John. It's actually not jovial. He's he's bipolar. No, he's so. angry, angry man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Thanks for reading my story, and I hope this never happens to you. I suppose you should probably drink more. Yay. Uh, I played in John Wick 7C at the last con and stuff, and uh, did, it was very... Did he run it? it he did. Okay. He was there. Uh, he, it was very much on the rails, but I... I took it as it was because he well, was... Con games. It was really, yeah, it was, and it was like an hour and a half, maybe two hours out of the far slot. And he was trying to prove a point, trying to show the system, trying to do the thing. And, right. But uh, it's kind of like you, he... At least for this, there were archetypes that he definitely had set up for this system, set up for this game. And uh, I think the rules kind of encourage you to stick with those archetypes. So it may or may not be the fault of the system... And the GMs that they well, weren't because it's a new system and they weren't. No, they were playing the old one. Straying too far away. No, 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 from no they he, were no, playing the old one. He was playing the right. one though. Fair enough. Yeah. Fuck them. <clears throat> Fuck them but, all. But, I mean, never played it. Never even opened a book on it. The roll and keep characters in L five R have classes. Yeah, they have archetypes. Yeah. I'm assuming it'd be the same. Bring up L five R with John Wake. It goes. Yeah, he's really happy about that. No, but. have you read Blood and Honor? Mm-hmm. Uh, his he wrote. It's a role playing game. It's very free form. It's a little fady, kind of. Yeah. Um, you have a copy of it. It's I a, do. It's a it's a very kind of a sad game. I mean, it's. I want at some point to do a one shot of it. I think it would be fantastic, mm-hmm. or do like a mini campaign. Mm-hmm. But it it. It really seems like most of the characters' lives ends in tragedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of the way the system's built. John's very much a Steve Jackson kind of guy. He's written lots of different games and lots of different genres using lots of different mechanics. <clears throat> he's very clever, but he's had stuff stolen from him, and he's never forgotten. Has he called you stupid yet? Uh, not in so many words. Okay. I did make bad choices as a character, and he looked at me disdainfully. Does that count? A <laughs> little bit. Yeah. Little bit. yeah, I would say. <laughs> yeah. So... Organized play. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's my idea. You want to have a living world, mm-hmm. right? You want to be able to go to a convention, have people come up with characters, <clears throat> have them do their stuff, have it have consequences on mm-hmm. on the world. the world as it continues. And future play, yeah. Instead of, okay, GMs, here are your modules... And then the results of the modules will tell us what's going to happen. Assign. Now this, maybe this won't work, but mm-hmm. this is the way I would try to run something like this if I were trying to do an organized play thing. <clears throat> there are distinct locations. There will be the understanding that the adventure you're in as a GM or a player takes place in this location. City 1, City 2, City 3, City 4, City 5, whatever. You have recurring NPCs that live in each of these cities. Mm-hmm. The GM or whoever wants to write the adventure writes the adventure. If the players go off the rails, 
fuck it. Let the players go off the rails. If the players want to kill some of the NPCs, fuck it. Let the players kill the NPCs. Let whatever happens, happens. The GM of that game writes a little report at the end. Here's the events that transpired. Here's what happened to the recurring NPCs. Here's their... Here's what may have changed about them. They lost arms and exactly. legs. They're dead. They're alive. They're pissed off. Whatever. Next next time someone runs this, maybe at a different convention somewhere else, that location oh, has changed. Yep. Right. It's now different. Yeah. And only one table per location. Yeah. So if you have City X at the convention... Group number one plays in City X. Group number one doesn't play in City X again. They go play somewhere else. Maybe in the second session, a different group plays in City X, but it has now changed somewhat mm-hmm. from the first session. So you can have, I don't, I don't know how many tables they run when they run games like this. Let's say you run eight tables. You can have eight different locations. So when people come in and play five games, they meet different people and meet different NPCs. And the next year, when they come back for the convention, you come back again. Oh, we're back in such and such town. Where's the mayor? Oh, he was murdered. No, oh, absolutely. That's so sad. Uh, uh, actually, sir, I, I, I have a problem with that because I was supposed to get MacGuffin from session nine. And, uh, oh, they, fuck uh, the that. last group no, killed the fuck MacGuffin. That yeah. uh, no, fuck that. Uh, you're out of, you're I, out of our organized well, play I session. I don't have the MacGuffin <laughs> and I, I need that to move on, actually, no. sir. Uh, you can't do that. Well, no. The, Sorry. Uh, that's the way those are organized. Not, well, I, I don't know if this no, one is I've, organized that I've way. I've played in two different living campaigns. Pathfinder at... Society, you're absolutely right. That's, yeah. May, yeah, maybe. But I've played, played in two different living campaigns at Strategicons. Uh, one was a, a Dungeon World. That was a couple of years ago. And just oh, really? this last one, I played in a cyberpunk, the Sprawl, living, mm-hmm. uh, dun, uh, living Sprawl campaign. Right. I think it was called Operation Angel Basin. And I think what you said, a couple things that are absolutely true is that the players affect the reality of the world. So you can kill or do whatever you Just need to like do. Just like in a home game. Absolutely. And there is a lot of collaboration and note taking and uh, cross... Uh, Pollination. Well, yeah, exactly. And the GMs of those tables have to collaborate and and note check and there were we had big um in this last game we played uh jim um was nice enough to have it it was scheduled in the same room so were these there were these big like dry erase sort of sheets that were up so we knew who the more uh, major corporations were what was kind of major things that were going on mm-hmm. um when players or player characters or npcs were dying they were putting lines through them and it was like rip so it's like you kind of had uh, an understanding of what was happening in the world uh, appropriate to your character. So everybody right. kind of knew what was happening as you would move yeah. story to story. You know what would be fun? Maybe we should do this some con. You're thinking the same thing I'm thinking, aren't you? I don't know. Let Go me ahead. tell you what I'm thinking. All right. Jim, Are you, thinking what you all- maybe Dave and I, we all get together. We plot out a meta plot. You run a game. You hand, us, you hand your notes to Chip. Chip takes your notes. Hmm. And then he runs his game, and he hands his notes to us. But we have all the players that then through different GMs, and we have to take what you got, what happened in that game, and keep going and keep going with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not what I was thinking. I didn't that, think yeah. so. What that were you thinking? 
That would be put a lot of pressure on the guy at the very end. He couldn't plan anything. No. <laughs> no, you can't. And that's why I think that the two I've played uh, are uh, world games, uh, Apocalypse right. Engine. So there is not a lot of pre-planning. Well, you, I mean, in, in something like this, you could almost say, okay, this one GM is going to run all of his adventures in City X. Mm-hmm. So... He he doesn't even have to keep track from game to game what happens. He'll just remember it. But at the end of the session or at the end of the con, he needs to write up a report saying these NPCs are alive, these NPCs are dead, Here's here, here are the major things that happened to the city, here's what changes will have occurred to the setting, so to hand it off to whatever the next convention is, whoever's well, going to be the GM for that particular city. Mm-hmm. Riddle, right. riddle yeah. me this, riddle me this, Batman. Uh-huh. Okay, so the three of us are all running games at the same time in different parts of the world. Right. Okay? The players in my game decide fuck this shit we're going to the coast no i started it with the understanding by the gm and the players that the adventure you're having in that session takes place in that location that is a metagame conversation right. okay. that would right. have to take right. place right. before right. Right. it's a flawed example go ahead come up with a better one that doesn't have them leaving cuz he's uh, actually no no he would no no that that, that that is, that is the one weakness with it. And that's the weakness you're going to have with anything like this. Well, where well if you have actually, an I have an answer. No. I have a solution for yeah. that. Okay, go. Yeah. And that is that when they get up and they go to your table and the GM goes with them. Okay, you could do that. But then suddenly you have 12 players at well, one yeah, table. They right, actually... but you split them into sides. Yeah. And they continue to deal with the GM that they've been dealing with, but they're in a new location. Yeah. And there may be cross-pollinization between these two groups. I I think you have to be willing to go with where the story goes, because I think that's where ours ended up in the sprawl, is we we had two tables running at the end, and we were each on separate missions, and they anticipated that both groups would realize our missions were bad, um, and that we would join because we we had played together with different oh okay. different characters of ours had played in different games together. Oh. So we were each other's resources and contacts. Um, but the, we didn't end up doing that because our table did say, "Fuck no, this mission is bad. We've got to go take out you know this other person because this is a bad mission." And the other group stayed on mission. Stayed so, on target. Yeah, so it just it ended up being where occasionally the the GMs or the MCs would have to go kind consult. of co- consult each other right. and go, "Okay, here's what's going on." And we were calling each other at the other table. It's like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm going to call, you know, the beholder at the other table." That's that's kind of cool, but also kind of cr- Frightening because you're basically was, running a giant game with two pretty GMs. freaking awesome. Yeah, it that was, could be fantastic. Yeah, what was no, your idea awesome. when we were talking? I said, uh, "Here's my idea." That you and I are thinking the same thing. What was your? If we pick a con and say it takes place on an island with three cities on it, in let's say a fantasy setting, all right, mm-hmm. and you're in charge of this sa- town, okay. and you're in charge of this town, and you're in charge, and I'm in charge of this town, and we run adventures, and as people come in, they can take their characters and move around and mm-hmm. do 
and have different adventures. And That's adventures. like an all-day con, though. Because it'd probably take two days. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you have to. I mean, the, the it's cool. You have That's to really have cool idea. like uh, time in between sessions for the GMs to, to sit me, down and go. But if if notes, you are notes, in notes. charge, yeah. If you as a GM, this is your city. Oh, I see what you're what saying. What happens in your you city? Totally know. What you happens? Don't yeah. Worry about stays it. In yeah. Vegas. They, these people decide that you know storks. That's true. Party decides to travel south, yeah. and it, when session two starts, they're in my town. That's my true. town has changed. By the day when I get to go to the bar, which isn't open yet. Right. And then they get to play in your town. But then by 8 o'clock, when the bar is open, you have your third session. God damn it. <laughs> and, then the, and then some of the players come back and it's like, oh, I remember this NPC. Mm-hmm. And kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, somebody go get me a beer. We got to run us a game now. Yeah. In LARP, what Stu is describing is called a world course event. Oh, thank you, Kurt. So it's, that's already a thing. Someone's already invented that wheel. That's a LARP thing, of course. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. It does. But I don't understand why they don't do it that way. Rather than having a horrible gaming experience well, where right? nothing think... you're going to do is going to affect this world. Okay. Stop trying to kill the, kill the important bishop. NPCs. Yeah. I, they I, are more important than you. Right. I, I hate to I break think it to you, but a lot of people don't think here, that's important. Sorry. Sorry I think that part of the problem here is that they had some really asshat GMs. I don't know if I blame the GM. I don't. I don't either. I think I'm with Stu. And here's why. The GM, he doesn't have ownership of the setting. Right. If it, you tell this GM at the beginning of a con, this is your setting. This I, city belongs to you yeah. until the end of this convention. Right. What happens in it happens in it. Let I think, us know. I think that sounds like that was what I was. I think that's. What yeah. went wrong with this other one is that there was a module being run. Yes. Yeah, like an yeah. adventure path. And, and they have right. to stick to the rules that they were told. Yeah. And um, you might have modules happen. built, and maybe this would take too much work to actually, for these people to do, because I, I don't know I, I don't know what okay. their resources are but, like. Okay, right. ri- again, riddle me this, Batman. You've been given a a module, and we've agreed that you know these things are... are, are supposed to happen this is supposed to be the rules under which the, the world works but you get a group of players and they go yeah no no we're we're doing this other thing instead then they, they, they do that thing yeah they do that thing see there's the difference right there okay because we would you would then come back after that game and go hey this thing happened in the game and we would go okay got it we're okay they've the, totally we, changed we, the setting but yeah. it doesn't matter that for anyone else it now. only matters for me because i'm running all the games in right, this city, right, but we've now incorporated that into the global into the right. global setting. Right. Okay, they wouldn't do that, no. and and part of that is on the GMs. It it, it is, but I have a feeling that the, one of the problem is one of the problems is the collaborativeness that we think of with role playing games. Mm-hmm. Is not happening on the table level, not at all, and it's not happening on the meta level. There's a lot of players and it really should. There's a lot of yeah. players that think that just getting your shit and moving on is is that's how you play a right. game. So can you imagine if the B team, if you had Steven, Dave, and Rob dropped into one of those Pathfinder Society games with Bill, and let's <laughs> see what happens? Can you imagine? Can you I, imagine I, the, I, the I want shenanigans I want to be in that game? <laughs> and and I'm sure that those Pathfinder people would just be like. The two regular Mind Pathfinder blown. people would be pissed off. Pissed. Because they didn't get to finish their module. Absolutely. Because Steven wouldn't stop changing light bulbs. Right. Or, 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 or <laughs> kill the, the, the quest giver. Or, right. 
or you know, took the took the actual MacGuffin and put it in his bag of holding and never showed it to anybody. Yep. And and they would be like, but uh, what's in your bag of holding? What bag of holding? You don't have a bag of holding. Are you telling me I have a bag? Are you saying I'm a thief? And they got in a fight and killed them. Yeah, they would be. You killed my character. They would be pissed. And yet, that's the way games I think should be played. It is a dynamic thing that is player driven. I, I agree. The the Pathfinder games and or Pathfinder Society games, as far as I can tell, are game driven, not player driven. The players show up. They run through the little, little their little amusement park, and they get their thing, and they move on. The, it's not player driven. The setting is the settings are too sacrosanct in, <laughs> in organized play, and you mm-hmm. need you need to be able to let the party do what a party is going to do in, in even in a home game. I mean, why do people go to these things and play in these living games? Often it is because they don't have the opportunity to play in a home game where they would have a campaign where they would be able to do just these things. Give them that fucking opportunity. But they also might not want to do that thing. Or they don't know any better. Because that's not how they play. They just don't know. If you're talking Pathfinder Society or something like that, that's a whole different animal. That's a, that's almost a different kind of role playing game. No, no, that's not true. Because when I we were playing the five e or four e game, when I was playing Ransom and I was making choices depend, uh, based on his personality, combat choices based on his personality, it was pissing off certain people. That's in exactly the game. what I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying. You, you and I are saying the exact same. Thing. Oh, all right. The people who play Pathfinder are the kind of people who are going to be really pissed off by the fact that you aren't playing your sorcerer, sorcerer the way you're, a sorcerer is supposed to be played. Right. God damn it. <laughs> but, How dare you but it, not play your sorcerer the way I think your sorcerer should be played. But, I mean, can you imagine if you set up a situation where you have you know, some sort of living world with five GMs and five towns and... And they run games throughout the course of a convention, and you, as a player, get a chance to go go from town to town, from session to session, where you're in this town and you have this adventure, and you have to stop this bad guy, and you stop him. Mm-hmm. But in the next town over, they didn't stop the bad guy; he right, won. Right. That town's fucked up. Yeah, it is. So then, yeah, when. Se- session two comes along at two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. You sit down, they say, and the GM tells you, okay, this is what happened. This is the situation now. You're fucked because we had, we thought we had heroes here and they were going to protect us from the evil wizard, but they were all killed or they ran away. Or whatever happened. Yeah. They they thought they had killed him, but they didn't. And they left before the job was really done. So he's still here. And he's gotten a toehold on things. Or maybe now he's the lord of this town. Mm-hmm. So now you've... Ch- yeah. Now it requires the GM... A, it gives the GM an enormous amount of latitude, which he should fucking have. And B... <laughs> It requires of the GM the ability between sessions, and you're not talking a lot of time, right? To come oh, up absolutely. with what are yeah. the events that are going to transpire that are going to create yeah. it, the adventure these next group of people are going to try to go. It, right. it requires a higher caliber GM than Joe Crack had in that game. I heard I heard dogs barking and She's squealing. Okay. Uh, I'll go look. Do you remember uh, Thieves World? 
by Robert Aspern. Robert Aspern was the editor, and Thieves World was a I, collection I ran, of short stories. I ran Thieves World. Okay, there was a book. Oracon. There was a book that started it. Uh-huh. I know. Uh huh. There was a couple of them. And I got them. It was a collection of short stories. It all yep. took place in one world, and uh, all of the authors came up with characters, and they handed notes over about what these characters were, and these people were able to use those characters in their short stories. For example, Shadow Spawn. Right. With one with, and there was with one, one rule. Right. You cannot yeah. kill. kill. A, my main character. Right. Because I have a story that I'm writing, and I haven't written it yet, so you can't kill him before my story's done. Right. But each one of these characters was able to appear, or not appear, in, in each author's story. Right. So, that to me is kind of the template of how to make this thing work. It, it, it has to have that collaborativeness. Absolutely. And that creativity, and the and that, that level of capability that, from the sound of what Joe was saying... Clearly, the 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 people who were running that show did not have. But and and you know, I know the GMs that ran the games that Gina played in, and they do have that. They, the, they okay. do have those wheels. Sticking with the Steve Thieves World thing, when the second edition came out, all the events that happened in the first book, everybody had read. Right, so that was their starting off point. So all the stuff that Shadow Spawn did in Shadow Spawn's little story right. then affected the other authors. So they were all able to incorporate that backstory and move on. Right. I think that that's kind of the template to make this stuff work. So I agree. It's it's doable, and it does take some work. It takes a an editor or an overarching GM that's only job is to collect this stuff and disseminate the information to make sure that it's everybody's on the same level, which which might mean typing it out or whatever, but. Those those Thieves World books are a great uh, starting point of how to make that kind of thing work. And yeah. this is isn't this what LARP GMs do all the time? At the end of the night, ten people come up with all of the various stories, and this guy has to then weave in all of that stuff happening throughout that happened throughout the night. Isn't that how that works? Yes. <laughs> Tyler's not here to argue with us, so I can't. say Well, that. you know, Tyler's wherever Tyler is now, and he's oh, what Gia. But Gina just said in the forum. Did you say that here? No. Uh, maybe I'm, my screen just went blank. <laughs> the whole thing about a, a PC dropping out and becoming a yeah, big yeah, bad? yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's the kind of stuff GMs live for. No, it was you read that. It she was didn't actually say it. it was amazing. Well, she can say it herself because she typed it. Yeah, no, it was there were because there were. A lot of people who got to play multiple games, and then there were some people who could just play a game. And you can also do that. You can play all five or six games. You can play one game. You can play, you know, three. I'm assuming I've, they're really episodic, so it's like yes. you go on a mission. Yeah, because you're going on missions, but there is shit going down, and they're the the same kind of corporations keep coming up, and the same big bads keep coming up. And there was a an NPC that people had backstory with. And had run on missions with because this uh, this player had played this character and set up this character, uh, and then wasn't able to play other games. And because of what shit went down in their game, where he stole a clone baby, uh, all this stuff happened, and he turned into he was one of the big bads at the very end of the game. That's fantastic. No, it was phenomenal. That's and so he was cool. his name Dingo. No, Dingo ate my clone baby. Oh, oh, my it's dear Fallout God. 4. <laughs> no. I know. Uh, but no, it was fantastic. And it felt... Because during the the pre, the the penultimate game that we played, we were like, man, this sounds like... I can't remember the character's name. But it's like, this totally sounds like 
So-and-so. This can't um, be so-and-so. In, in the Champions game? No, this oh. game that we were playing. Okay. And then, and then <clears throat> when it turned out that that's who this guy was, it was like, oh, my fucking God. This is him. He was our. That's he was fan- one of us. That's fucking fantastic. It was awesome. And, and and in a normal, organized play thing, that would never happen. You can't. No, you can't. Uh-huh. No, you can't kill the no. Baron. He's too important of an NPC. Well, no, because they got another group coming in an hour and a half. They have to encounter him. You can't just kill him. What right. are we going to do? Because God yep. forbid that you know. Instead, they encountered his successor. His yeah, but, his like. But, but nine-year-old son. But now I got right. to think. His, I, his 11-year-old I, I, I daughter gotta, who... I got to call up like nine different states and say, hey, they killed the Baron and now his successor taking over. Are we, are we all cool with that? Right. I, they can't. Lady Mormont. Their hands are tied. That's right. Know, little Lady Mormont. <laughs> She's so awesome. <laughs> all right. Amazing. Are we done? Yeah, let's call it. Yeah. Wait, almost, two, almost two hours? Wow. What? We were talking tonight. We yeah, were. were. Well, I added that big thing, and I knew that would spawn a lot of conversation. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. Did. No, it's, it's a good email, and it's, it's... It was. I'm sorry Joe had to go through that. It sucks to be able to go yeah, to a, it does. A, a giant convention like that that you've been dreaming about going to. And he paid money to be in those, those games. Yeah. He was so excited, and he did all the forum stuff, and the and then play it's by like, post, and the... Yeah. I wonder if we all could come things. up with some sort of organized play thing. Where we had some sort of mm. living setting. We're too disorganized. How about disorganized play? We have Elden. That's what it would end up being. It would be. It, it, it would. We could use it if you yeah, wanted to. Yeah, the Elden world. Totally use that. Can, uh. we, can we? Can we? copyright disorganized play? Disorganized <laughs> play. Yes. Play. Absolutely. That would be like, awesome. Like the Poxy Boggards in action heroes. <laughs> Remember we, we had like in action figures. <laughs> There's all these action the figures, and we're gonna have Poxy Boggard in action figures where they just you know sit on the couch with super inactionists. No, I, I I dig the idea of doing an Eldemy game, um, okay. living world game, and I I'm sitting here wondering why we couldn't even do it in different game systems. We absolutely could. I totally think we where, could just have JackerCon where everybody runs. A, yeah, yeah, where you know you works. run your part in Moment of Truth, and mm-hmm. I run you know because it's a fantasy setting. I run it in Dungeon World. Right. Yeah, Kimmy. Does Kimmy does it in Wild Talents, and, and yeah. Stork, does, Stork and Dave do it in, in Freak Show, yeah, in Savage World. Savage World. Savage World. And, nice. You know, that, I think it would be fantastic. We just need a way I to convert so characters between. No, I'll between. just give right. you guys all Freak Show, and you guys all run it in different systems. You do that. I could run Freak Show, and <laughs> yeah, I know you could. You, but you need to have you need to work. have different sets of NPCs. No, have, I just I hand you the I hand you the Freak Show PCs, and you go. You 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 get your own. But the whole idea is that it's right. an interactive world where things are happening, and if everyone is playing with the same player characters, uh huh, they're not they're the same player characters. They're not different people doing different things in different parts of the world. See what I'm saying? Yep. Right. It's the same. I want to know what what system Gina's going to run her part in. Uh huh. You don't run games. You need to run a game someday. I need to. I know because I'm starting we, to get. We, we still have that Valkyrie volleyball thing going. I know. On yep. <laughs> yep. The uh, sorority girl. Yeah. Valkyries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clan Hannah, who who just made a bunch of PCs for Wild Talents, because I saw it on the forum, says that you could totally run Freak Show in Wild Talents. Yep. I've, but well, you I've, already I have, have no the doubt. characters made. Yep. 
I have no doubt. You could actually run Why would you truth. do any more work than you already, <laughs> already <laughs> right? done? Why problem yeah, make when you no problem have? Why problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make? <laughs> I'm going That's to get that totally words to fucking live by. That's my grandma. I'm going to make, we should make a t-shirt. We should make a shirt that. with yeah, that on it. Why so problem too. make when you no problem have you don't want to make? And on the back is a troll eating a guy. Kenigma yeah. <laughs> says a uh, living jacker cone. Living Jackercon. There yeah. it is. There it is. All right. There you go. Let's go ahead and call it. Whoop. I'm not sure about these new mics. All right. Let us know about these new mics. I, I'm, I think it's a problem because you need to it. be like this, and you, then you, it's yeah. really hard. You don't. You can no? be like this. Was I okay? Well, the problem yeah, is you're, that, fine. Okay. you're fine. The problem is that I want to look at the person I'm talking yeah. to. Yeah. I learned yeah. not to. You can do that, but you have to kind of do it like yeah, this. Yeah, you have to go so like this. You have to kind of move like that. And make sure you have to kind of swivel. The Howard Stern. My microphone foo is weak. Yeah, these these are <laughs> these are omnidirectional mics. Omni, right. The other ones are omnidirectional mics, but they're condensers and they're more sensitive. Okay. He's saying words; they're supposed to mean something. The, these are what? these are like Yay. blunt instruments. Oh, okay. But you'll notice if, if they yeah. do look like a penis when when the air conditioner comes on, yeah. which it's come on several times. Yep. You can barely hear it in the headphones. Truth. So why problem make when? <laughs> Why problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make? All right. <laughs> That's just so good. We're listeners of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast Weekend. Thank you for joining us for Season 17, Episode 6 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Mayama Gina. Uh, I'm, I'm not Gina. I'm Stork. This host has no name. <laughs> That's the best name of all. And uh, what is it? Gateway, Orcon, Gateway Game 2016. Gateway, Gateway 2016. Come see us. Come play our games. I've got one game set up. I'll probably run a couple more. I've got a suite. I've got three submitted. We don't have a reservation yet. We need to do oh, that. Oh, no, I got to get. Uh, oh, yeah, you need to do that. Yeah. We'll leave it a song. Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. calling From glen to glen and down the mountainside The summer's gone and all the roses falling Tis you, tis you must go and I must buy But come ye back when summer's in the meadow Or when the valley's hushed and white with snow Tis I'll be back in sunshine or in shadow Oh Danny boy, oh Danny boy, I love you so And when ye come Flowers are dying.